0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move in. please move and play oh, the I'm not going to say I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on man and okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch your hair Good checking, guys. That's good play. Once again, no officials have been traded. There's been discussions, and everybody's doing panels and who's most likely to be traded. Trade bait lists. I have yet to see a referee or a linesman mentioned on any of these lists, and I, I I'm I'm a little puzzled by it.
1: Not a one. You, you think the Flyers might want somebody on their payroll. You know, they can swap Giroux out, get a rep or a linesman in their
0: pocket here. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're assessing value on these on these players and just like, well, it's a draft choice. Well, we can do better than a draft choice. We got a guy in stripes we can send to you.
1: Exactly. You know, there's a whole, whole big talent pool out here that's being missed. Even Dean Morton. I mean,
0: he might have retired, but the guy has a career NHL goal. He might still have value. There you go. See? One goal. I like that. So it's he's a plus. Well, I don't know if I can go quite that far. But anyhow, we'll, we'll 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 get into that and a few other things on this edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. Josh is, of course, at Scouting the Refs on Twitter, on Instagram, and you've bookmarked ScoutingtheRefs.com. For me, it's at Todd with Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, on this week's episode, Matthews gets two for cross-checking, a cool Dave Jackson story. What happened to all the refs, plus our old friend, goalie interference? But this one's got a bit of a twist, wouldn't you say, Josh? Oh, a little bit. Every situation's unique, but some are, dare I say, more unique than others. Well, yes, that's that's a very, <laughs> very fair assessment, I would think. So let's let's go back to the suspension that took place. It's We did go a week without a player getting fined or suspended, but Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs brought that streak to an end. During the outdoor game with the Buffalo Sabres, it's late in the third period. Leafs are trailing, becoming more and more frustrated. Matthews and Buffalo defenseman Rasmus Dahlin get into a shoving match in front of the Buffalo net. After getting knocked to the ice during the altercation, Austin Matthews pops back up to his feet and delivers a very nasty-looking cross-check to the neck and head area of Dahlin. And, of course, he got the attention of player safety, Had a little chat with George Peros, who decided he should sit for two games. Now, there is something about this that, I don't know, just it still puzzled me, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised that some of the blue blindness came out and there were pro Maple Leafs fans that actually said that this wasn't worthy of a suspension because Matthews got pushed or cross checked or whatever first. And, you know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been a suspension, but it is now. Come on, man. That's a suspendable offense all day long, every day. It it is. And I think regardless of what happened before and, and yeah, there
1: was a back and forth with Darlene. It was, it was some pretty nasty stuff. Maybe you could have called a penalty on one or both of them. I I think both deserved penalties on that play. The difference is that what Darlene did may have frustrated Matthews. It certainly did, but it didn't rise to the level of supplemental discipline, which Matthews, with the cross-check to the head, absolutely did. And and that's why I I could come down and say, hey, Darlene deserved a call. He doesn't deserve a suspension for what he did, but you can't excuse the response from Matthews, and, and you can't let it go without having him sit for a couple games.
0: I will even concede somewhat reluctantly the thought that austin matthews expressed post game, saying oh, i thought i i got his shoulder and it rode up and if that's what you had believed before seeing the replay where the evidence is clearly contradictory that's fine but it is still an offense that should get you two games at least in this league
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those that is it's a dangerous play. I mean, you you think if there wasn't a face shield there or if his helmet had moved or if it had been a little bit lower and caught him more in the neck than in the helmet, we could be looking at a, a far different outcome from that cross check. But it's the first multi game cross check we've seen in a few years for regular season plays like this. So I think he earned it, right? He he got his yeah. shots in, he sent his message. He, he earned every bit of those two games, which I think were well-deserved. I could have seen them go for more just because of the idea of, look, this isn't a gameplay situation. These were two guys sparring, jabbing at each other, and a cross-check to the head is never an excusable play. I I, I know they wouldn't want to come down that hard on Matthews, but you know, a cross-check to the head being a five-game
0: minimum, I don't think that's an unreasonable request i'd I'd be okay if that was implemented. I don't see it ever happening in our lifetime, but <laughs> no. I'd be okay if that was uh if that was implemented and as you like to say, this is not a hockey play, so I think that's that's worthy of some discipline. okay, let's get on to some uh happier stories and congratulations to now former NHL referee Dean Morton on a great career over a thousand games officiated, worked his last game a week or so ago and I love how the story came together, that it was the Calgary Flames and the Detroit Red Wings that were involved in the game. If you didn't see it, there are video clips of how all the players on both teams lined up to shake hands with the referee afterwards. And I think that was wonderful. But it's so cool that, as you mentioned off the top, he played in an NHL game and scored in a, a goal in the game.
1: Yeah, he's a one-gamer. He's a one-goal one in his one NHL game, so that's, that's a high mark that very few have achieved. I know there was a book written a couple of years back on the guys who did it. They played in one game, they scored an NHL goal, and for whatever reason... You would think scoring a goal in your first game would would get you at least a second game. <laughs> but yeah. but for, a, for a handful of guys, including Dean Morton, it, it didn't play out that way. Uh, Morty had that one goal against the Calgary Flames in Calgary. So why not retire in that same place where you scored your only NHL goal assisted, no less, by future Hall of Famer Steve Iserman? Oh, so
0: yeah. Clearly, he—I don't know. And you're right. I I still don't know how you don't get a second game after you (laughs) score a goal on a setup from Stevie. Y. uh, That's—I don't know. It just—it seems funny. But congratulations to Dean Morton on a great NHL career. Another official has also decided to call it a career a little while ago. It's referee Anna Weigand, who officiated in the Swiss National League. She is a highly acclaimed official. Just finished refing the women's gold medal game at the Olympics. She's also done world championships. She refereed in the minor leagues first, but then worked her way up to the top league of men's hockey in Switzerland. And what a cool story, actually officiated games with her husband, Mark, before Calling it a career, I think that's so cool. I think it's great, you know, just to
1: have that moment to be able to share that together. Uh, such a an amazing situation, amazing opportunity for her. That was back in in 2019, but to to be able to share that on the ice and and what a career she's had. You mentioned internationally and working professionally in Switzerland, and uh, it, it, nice to see someone who's had such an amazing career and and kind of set the tone and and set that standard for the other women who are officiating, who aspire to that level. And now with her hanging up the skates, certainly provides an opportunity for those to make that jump, to step up, to fill that void for an amazing official who's stepping away from the game.
0: We have seen female officials work through the minor leagues in North America. Katie Gay is one who was with us earlier this season on the Scouting the Rest podcast how soon are we going to see women officiating in the National Hockey League, do you think, Josh? Where
1: we haven't heard anything concrete, and, and the NHL certainly wouldn't comment on how things are going, but they're closely aligned with what's happening in the American Hockey League, and there's been a lot of focus on the women that are working at that level. And folks that I've talked to that are, are close to the officiating world in the NHL have all said, Sooner than later, or it, it'll it be sooner than we think. And, you know, I think having watched the performance of those women working in the AHL as, as they get some more experience, as they get games under their belt, they've all been flawless. I don't, I don't want to say perfect, because I, I know perfection in officiating is is, is something we strive for, but it's <laughs> very, objective. very unreasonable. But. It, they don't look out of place. They're smart officials. They're brilliant skaters. They're positioned well. They've all fit in, uh, I would say, more, almost seamlessly in the American Hockey League. And they've all done an amazing job. And I think that's what the NHL is looking for, them to get that experience, to build that up. They'll be in camp over the summer again. The NHL will certainly be engaging them and, and comparing them to the current officials and whoever else they're looking to bring on board. Because as officials retire... The NHL needs to backfill those spots and we'll have some opportunities coming up. So will it be next year? Perhaps. But I think in the near future, we will see a female official in the National Hockey League.
0: Well, that was my thinking is how does this not happen next year? And I I think it would be a mistake if it doesn't happen next year because they have proven that they are more than capable of doing the job. And I think it's going to be important to start looking for more officials, as we've talked about a few times on the podcast, and you've done stories on scoutingtherefs.com about, is the the pool of officials has been dwindling. And Gord Miller from TSN, if you didn't catch it the other day, had a really interesting thread of tweets regarding officials in the National Hockey League And the challenges and the struggles that they have had to go through, they have been impacted significantly by injuries, some suffering severe injuries to the point of possibly career shortening or career threatening. We talked about Dean Morton, who has retired. There are other officials that are also retiring and they are going to have to be replaced. And and of course, we've had officials affected by covid as well. So that only adds to the burden that they have had to carry throughout this season. It's
1: been a challenge this season. It was a challenge the season before between border restrictions, between COVID and just precautionary measures that had held guys out of games. And we saw some of the AHL, NHL linesmen and even some of the referees thrown into probably a higher volume of National Hockey League games than we would have necessarily expected. But the league has had very little choice. You know, you're you're bringing these guys along and those types of injuries, uh, Greg Dvorsky, Derek Amell, Steve Miller they were all on the roster for this year. They've all effectively not been able to play. So I, I don't want to say they're retired. They're, they're still active, but they're they're on long-term injured reserve at this point. So coming into it, we're, we're down those plus the guys who retired last year. And then we have the four officials retiring this season. So there's definitely a void and you fill it in with the guys as best you can, but, concerns even at that level where we've had some of the the younger officials affected by COVID that kept them out for quite a time. So it's been a challenge. It's something that I think the bench that the NHL has for officiating is is contractually limited by their agreement with the NHL Officials Association. They've expanded it over the past few years. So they've got more and more officials that are able to step in or that are on NHL contracts. But yes, times like this certainly test your bench like they would for any team preparing for a playoff run, dealing with injuries, trying to get the best roster you can out there. It's the same thing that teams go through, but I think it's easily and frequently missed when it comes to officiating.
0: I'm not sure that we talk about injuries to officials and it gets a, enough recognition for the grind that they go through. We talk about it a little bit in terms of not having any home games and you know, traveling for 82 and, and all the rest of it. But we, we hear it more predominantly, and I, I guess understandably so, with players who have injuries and are affected long-term by injuries and players that are not able to return to the game because of injuries. Shea Weber in Montreal perhaps is the best example uh, most recently. But there are officials who have suffered injuries that have taken them out of the game prematurely as well. And it, it's it's disappointing and it's frustrating. They don't get the, the send-off that we talked about with Dean Morton, who was able to go out and, and have that final celebration game, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. And the league does a great job, I think, with giving these guys a proper send-off. They have that retirement game. As Morton did, you're picking the city or the arena. You're picking the teams. You're picking your lineup on the ice that you're officiating with. So who do you want to have as your crew for that game? And it's a really terrific opportunity to work with some guys that that had an impact or that meant something to you throughout your career, be recognized, have that handshake line with the teams, which is always nice, and and does happen before your retirement as well. You know, we've, we've seen Morton shaking hands with players kind of leading up to this game. So it, it truly is a nice thing that the NHL does and that they allow these officials to have that send off. They want to honor and recognize them you don't want it to be a big deal, which is why it happens not at the end of the season. And these officials then don't work the playoffs so that they can actually have this proper send off before we really get into the playoff push. But sure, guys that are injured, uh, you, you don't get that. And there's there's really no way to do that. We we saw guys for one reason or another injuries and covid and scheduling things that, that just weren't able to have that goodbye game, that send-off. And it's unfortunate, especially for some of these officials who've done an amazing job with 20, 25-year careers like Derek Amell, Greg Dvorsky, that really deserve that kind of a game. And and maybe the NHL can find a way to honor them after their retirement, maybe have a ceremonial puck drop, have a crew there or something. But unfortunately, they don't get to have that last game on the ice.
0: I'm just thinking of you mentioned that nhl officials that are retiring and leaving the game do not work in the playoffs and as you said because you know the the playoffs are are the thing and they want to do this properly by the officials can you imagine if they did work the playoffs and and a retiring official was working a series ending, or dare I say, a Stanley Cup final game where the, where the cup is awarded. It's like, okay, we're we're gonna hold off on giving you this trophy for a minute so that we can recognize the referee who's retiring. I, that's 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 maybe one of the reasons why they do it in the regular season.
1: Yeah, you know, just eliminate the middleman, have him go in the handshake line, and then hand him the cup after. <laughs>
0: That's one way to look at it. So, okay, let's let's get into a game situation that occurred, and it was it was a little bit unusual in terms of how you see a, a typical goaltender interference call made. It was a game between the Dallas Stars and the Montreal Canadiens. Teams were tied. They were in overtime. In fact, it was very late in the overtime period. There was a scramble for a loose puck, and Stars defenseman John Klingberg knocked it into the net for the game winner. Hold on, though, just a second. The on-ice officials began a discussion and deliberation. Then the office in Toronto says, I think we're going to take a look at this one. There was no challenge, of course, because it's in overtime. As you looked at the replay, there was a bit of a tussle in the crease going on. And stars forward Tyler Sagan was making a play for the puck and appeared to maybe bump Habs goaltender Jake Allen. There was not a big collision. But it was the stick in play that was part of the ruling and why this goal was allowed to stand.
1: Right. And this one was a an interesting call. Certainly, if you're on the losing side of it, if you're Jake Allen, if you're Montreal, if you're a Habs fan, it's a tough one to swallow, especially because it feels like there are different parts of the rules or inconsistencies with how goaltender interference is applied. And what the league cited in defending this goal as, as no goaltender interference was Rule 69-7. Where it's a rebound situation and that Sagan was making a play on the loose puck in the crease. Now, as he entered the crease, the puck was loose. He was attempting to bat it into the goaltender. And the rule states that where goaltender and attacking players are simultaneously attempting to play a loose puck inside or outside the crease, incidental contact will be permitted and any goal that is scored will be allowed. So the rule is clear. And I, I think I can I can see their interpretation of the rule for this play because certainly Sagan was attempting to make a play on the puck. He was outside and then moving into the crease, but that's irrelevant under the rule. And it looked like Lekkonen may have been pushing him in or, or holding him to keep him from changing his body position, which I thought may have been a factor as well. But I think the frustrating part and what I heard from Habs fans after the game was why doesn't this apply in other situations, right? Okay, if we're going to say this one's a good goal, then how many other goals have been overturned where it was something similar? And I think that's where fans get frustrated.
0: They try to make the rules as black and white, as on or off as possible, but there's always going to be a bit of an interpretation involved. And it seems to me that if two players, whether one is a goaltender or not, are attempting to play the puck and there is a bumping of the sticks a bumping of of bodies together that you have to allow that to happen you have to allow players to play the puck and and that's the hard part right
1: we look at offside reviews and there are only so many permutations of how you can have it right the puck crosses the line was the guy on over not over was a skate in the air or not was you know all of those factors are are pretty limited you can come up with possibly every scenario for an offside review. It makes it a lot easier to apply a consistent interpretation. Every goaltender interference play is different. You know, was the player being held? Was he pushed in? How did he get in the crease in the first place? Was he making a play on the puck? Was he pushing the goaltender's pad? Did he push the goaltender's pad while he was attempting to make a play on the puck? And all of those factors, they're always different or to different degrees in each situation. And and that is what makes it so difficult. And uh, I think you're right, Todd. You have to let guys play the puck. You have to allow a guy, a skater that is, mm-hmm. to have a presence in the crease at certain times when they're going after the loose puck. We can't, or we don't in the NHL at least, have a rule that says skaters are never permitted in the blue paint. It would be a lot easier to enforce, but we've seen when a skate in the well, crease rule comes in, and I don't it, know does, about that. it does, doesn't avoid unintended consequences or concerns on consistency on how that's applied. But that's not the rule. So he's allowed to be there. He's not allowed to... Impact the goaltender, but when you're going for a loose puck, sometimes you have to look at the rule book more closely and see exactly which rule applies. And so many facets, so many interpretations, so many degrees are what makes it challenging to feel like it's being applied consistently.
0: So, and I'm just trying to, to think of, of of another way to look at this and explain it is if if Allen and Sagan, uh, if if Allen was in the crease but Sagan was not in the crease, and they both played the puck it would it would it would still be allowed to to have contact and for their sticks to touch and the like and i don't know it just it just it it almost seems like sagan being in the crease is irrelevant on this play
1: it, it is because of the way rule 697 is written i think him being in the crease or outside the crease wouldn't affect the play what does is the referee and then the situation room's judgment on is this incidental contact or is this deliberate contact by Sagan? And Sagan did not appear to be making intentional contact with the goalie. He didn't push his pad. He didn't cross check. He didn't put any physical pressure on Allen directly. He was in the crease trying to make a play on the puck. And I think that as hard as it is to gauge intent and guess what someone is trying to do is the underlying factor on this one is that it's, incidental contact versus deliberate or intentional contact where Sagan was playing the goaltender instead of playing the puck.
0: OK, I think that's about as clear as we're going to ever get on this one. Let me let me end this edition of the Scudding the Rest podcast with a story. Were you watching the ABC game last week with uh, Sean McDonough and Ray Ferraro and our friend rules analyst Dave Jackson made an appearance? I love Dave Jackson, but I did miss that game. What, what did okay. I miss, Todd? OK, so here's the story is they were there was a quick uh, goal review and they were explaining why the Flyers uh, had just scored, but it was not allowed to count because there was contact with the goaltender and it was the right call and it was pretty straightforward and, and pretty uh, pretty quick about it. So after this explanation, the guys asked Dave Jackson about wearing number eight when he was in the league because number eight is now being worn by referee Francois Saint Laurent, who was in the game. So Jackson tells the story of how this happened. When referees retire, as Jackson did, they retire their number for a year as well. Apparently, after the year was up, Saint Laurent had worn number eight throughout his young officiating career and called Dave Jackson and said, would you mind if I took up your number? And Dave Jackson said, I'd be happy to do, I'll let you do that and, and please that it will continue. I thought that was a great story.
1: Oh, that that is, you know, you you hear of players when they get traded to a team and they want to get a number especially from an active player you got to take the guy out to dinner you you got to I don't know find some kind of gift to try to pry the number away from him but it's nice to have a a good handoff from a retiring referee to a current referee with the number and and letting Francois go from 38 to 8 seemed like a nice transition so that's that's nice it's good to have a nice clean handoff like that and for Jackson nice to see that number eight still out there on the ice I'm sure
0: yes and you know what see the, uh, the referees are not against everyone (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, they're even, even helping out each other here See, there you
0: go <laughs>